Hello everybody, this is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, September 8th, 2022. Uh, we've got three different subjects to talk about today, so this might go a little longer than normal. But first, let me take care of the housekeeping. Don't forget, tomorrow at 3 p.m. U.S. Central Time, we do have the short format vid chat. The uh, post is already posted in the members area. Please uh, get your comments and questions submitted by no later than 10 o'clock tonight, U.S. Central Time. Uh, as always, I'll be in there a little early for the pre-chat banter. And uh, we have already got some questions submitted, so please don't forget to get your questions and comments submitted for the vid chat tomorrow. Now, by the time most of you hear this, you will have heard that within the last couple of hours, the announcement has been made that Queen Elizabeth II has died uh, after the longest reign of a British monarch in history, we're being told, which makes it longer even than uh, Queen Victoria. So Queen Elizabeth has died. This means that, interestingly enough, Charles is going to succeed her as king and this is something that I have long ago predicted that may be the beginning of a crisis, a constitutional crisis, because if there is someone who would be inclined to use the reserve powers of the crown, uh, in my opinion, quite openly, rather than more or less behind the scenes and quietly as, as Queen Elizabeth did, that would be Charles. So we're going to have to wait and see how his reign turns out. But uh, my my money is still on the fact that Charles uh, is perfectly capable of, <laughs> of provoking a constitutional crisis in the United Kingdom. And it's very weird to me that Queen Elizabeth's death occurs right after a leadership crisis and its apparent resolution within the British Conservative Party with the election of uh, Elizabeth Truss to be the party leader and new occupant of Downing Street. So, uh, interesting times with the changing of the guard in Great Britain. We're going to see how it turns out. Now, item number two is a very interesting letter, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you. Uh, it's not very long, but there are a couple of points in this letter that are really rather interesting, and I want you to pick up on them. This is in an article titled, The Sunshine State, meaning Florida, of course, for the, those of you overseas, has been geoengineered into the ChemCloud cover state. And this is an open letter that was apparently sent by a group calling itself Concerned Florida Patriots to Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, and it's addressed, of course, to him at the Capitol, 400 South Monroe Street, Tallahassee, Florida. And here's what the letter said. Listen carefully. Dear Governor DeSantis, as a Tallahassee resident, Surely you have noticed that the sun very rarely shines in this city anymore. 
see the following article. They're putting the chemtrail spraying on super steroids, especially over this state capital. Why? What was once known as the Sunshine State has become a state that is continuously geo-terrorized via the nation's most aggressive chemical geoengineering program. That patently unlawful and unconstitutional military-directed program has undergone a marked intensification since Joe Biden's inauguration day, especially here in Florida. Perhaps you have also noticed that the daily weather forecasts televised by WCTV for Tallahassee are never, ever correct anymore. Those quite unfortunate meteorologists cannot even predict the weather for the next few hours, much less for tomorrow or the next week. In point of fact, their weather forecasts are now so inaccurate and often dead wrong that they have surely wrecked and ruined many a picnic, outdoor wedding, boating expedition, and weekend at the beach. What's the crucial point? Governor DeSantis, the New World Order globalists who control Florida's weather, are also destroying the state's economy. The means by which their geoengineers can manipulate weather events and modify climate patterns has gotten quite alarming. For those of us who have been closely watching the chemtrail operations in our local skies, there is definitely a, correct, a direct correlation between the various COVID-19 outbreaks and subsequent variant scares and the intensity of the chemtrail spraying during the same time frames. We don't have to tell you that the COVID pandemic can easily be perpetuated just through the advanced technologies now utilized within the U.S. government's chemical and biological geoengineering programs. And that, because of your courageously conservative approach to governance, Florida is perhaps the biggest target in the USA for these series of acts of what is essentially weather terrorism. Certainly you are aware that many Floridians moved here in the first place to retire in the sun, have fun in the sun, heal in the sun, and surf, and so on. And yet here many of us are hoping for a single day of sunlight unobstructed by that highly toxic chem cloud cover. Who doesn't know that during the COVID era that direct sunlight on human skin stimulates the production of vitamin D, a natural defense against SARS-CoV-2? It was Dr. Marvin Herndon, a PhD in nuclear chemistry and geophysicist, who has identified many of the constituents of the chemtrail aerosols that are currently sprayed over Tallahassee as they are in the skies all over Florida. Dr. Herndon, who recently published a scientific paper with Dr. Mark Whiteside, MD, PhD, who is the medical director of Florida, the Florida Department of Health in Monroe County. Their rigorous analysis of the chemical composition of chemtrails indicated that aluminum, barium, and strontium are present at significant levels. The aluminum oxide is actually derived from the toxic waste product coal fly ash, which is statutorily removed from all coal-fired power plants as per EPA rules and regulations. Their highly informative paper and urgent warning follows, and then they link that paper. However, that's not the worst of it, Governor DeSantis. It has also been recently revealed that the graphene oxide is also a component of some of the chemtrail aerosol formations. 
Graphene has been proven to be a constituent of the extremely dangerous and often deadly COVID-19, quote, vaccines, unquote, by various medical investigators and scientific researchers the world over. In their independent and collective quest to determine why so many people around the world are dropping dead from heart attacks and strokes, dying from massive blood clots, as well as contracting myocarditis, pericarditis, angina, and so on, where they were not previously present, they found extremely hazardous levels of graphene in the COVID vaccines. Again, vaccines in quotations. Signed, respectively, Concerned Florida Patriots. Now, there are a number of things I find very interesting about this letter um, that I want to draw your attention to before I get on to the third component of today's news and views. First of all, is that they would write the letter at all. In other words, the letter is putting one of the prominent red state governors on notice that this is an issue, and this is an issue that politically needs to be addressed and hopefully needs to be addressed at the state level. So in other words, I suspect that this letter might be part of the opening salvo, so to speak, of some sort of new campaign to bring attention to the issue of the chemtrails, which I personally regard as a very pardon me, very serious environmental issue. And I hope that people will, if that is the case, couple this issue to the whole issue of climate change in the right way. Because really what we're saying is that, yeah, there is climate change and climate modification, but not for the reasons usually given in the media. The very people hollering and complaining about climate change are the very people bringing it about through these types of geoengineering programs. That's the problem. And now we have idiots like Bail Gates who want to quote-unquote fix the problem by spraying stuff in the atmosphere to dim the sun, you know. So this is, this is a nasty feedback loop that we're getting here, and this whole issue needs to be addressed because, as this little letter makes clear, some of the elements or constituents within these aerosols are actually deadly poisonous. Barium and strontium, of course, uh, not being terribly healthy, and the same thing for aluminum. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this is an article or a letter that is deliberately implying that this weather warfare is now being targeted against the so-called red states. Now, I don't think that that's necessarily true. We see droughts going on in California and so on. So, But I do think that there is an element of deliberate manipulation here that needs to be looked at. And the correlation between weather and covid is the final thing that I think needs to be noticed. And you'll notice that the letter made specific reference to weather forecasts on local broadcasts. And I think, again, that's kind of a signal that people need to start watching and monitoring their weather forecasts very carefully vis-a-vis the coordinated effort of some of the spraying going on in the skies. Now, I live in an area where there's always been rather low amounts of spraying. However, there have been times when it's been rather heavy. So 
the the letter is really telling us look out for the spring okay and i i think that this is a uh, perhaps a good way to do this is local monitoring and perhaps even written logs of spraying activity and weather forecasts, the station that made the weather forecast, what they predicted and what actually resulted and so on and so forth. A lot of work I know, but I think it's work that needs to be done in order to document the cases of chemtrail spraying rather more clearly. All right, third item today. This is another one that really grabbed me, and I want to thank the individual who emailed this information to me. I've been arguing for many years, if you've been paying very close attention to some of my interviews, and for that matter, to some of my blogs, that there appears to have been, between this country and Germany, for at least the past two, if not three decades, indications of some sort of very, very covert, very deeply hidden economic warfare between the two. And most recently, apparently, the Rand Corporation did a study precisely on how to economically ruin Germany. And we'll get back to why a major American think tank would even be writing on that subject at all. But this study was apparently done by the Rand Corporation and released, you'll notice that the link that I'm citing to, to document this particular excerpt from that study was published on January 1st of this year. In other words, it was published prior to the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. And I want to read again this whole article, uh, this whole excerpt, but I want you to concentrate on the first and last two paragraphs. There's five paragraphs, so here we go. Paragraph one. The current German economic model is based on two pillars. These are unlimited access to cheap Russian energy resources and to cheap French electric power thanks to the operation of nuclear power plants. The importance of the first factor is considerably higher. Halting Russian supplies can well create a systemic crisis that would be devastating for the German economy and indirectly for the entire European Union. Paragraph 2. Due to coalition constraints, the German leadership is not in full control of the situation in the country. Thanks to our precise actions, it has been possible to block the commissioning of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, despite the opposition of lobbyists from the steel and chemical industries. Paragraph 3. And you'll notice paragraph 2 admits an American effort to block or to wage, uh, quite literally, wage economic warfare on Germany. Paragraph 3. The only feasible way to guarantee Germany's rejection of Russian energy supplies, <coughs> pardon me, is to involve both sides in the military conflict in the Ukraine. Our further actions in this country will inevitably lead to a military response from Russia. Let me read that line again, folks. 
Our further actions in this country, meaning the Ukraine, will inevitably lead to a military response from Russia. Russians will obviously not be able to leave unanswered the massive Ukrainian army pressure on the unrecognized Donbass republics. Paragraph 4. And this is the second to the last paragraph, so pay attention. The prerequisite for Germany to fall into this trap is the leading role of Green Parties and ideology in Europe. The German Greens are a strongly dogmatic, if not zealous, movement which makes it quite easy to make them ignore economic arguments. In this respect, the German Greens somewhat exceed their counterparts in the rest of Europe. Personal features and the lack of professionalism of their leaders primarily Annalena Baerbach and Robert Habeck, permit to presume that it is next to impossible for them to admit their own mistakes in a timely manner. Paragraph 5. The cumulative losses of the German economy can be estimated only approximately. Even if the restriction of Russian supplies is limited to 2022, its consequences will last for several years and the total losses could reach two to three hundred billion euros. Not only will it deliver a devastating blow to the German economy, but the entire EU economy will inevitably collapse. In other words, note the strategy. Collapse the locomotive of the EU economy, which is Germany, and you collapse the EU economy. We are not talking about a decline in economic, economy growth pace, but about a sustained recession and a decline in gross domestic product only in material production by 3 to 4% per year for the next 5 to 6 years. Such a fall will inevitably cause panic in the financial markets and may bring them to a collapse. Unquote. Now you'll notice here that there's no opposition to any of this. In other words, this appears to be a goal and notice that the goal is not really so much about the Ukraine and Russia. The goal appears to be hampering Germany. Basically hogtying it as the old expression goes. And you notice from the first paragraph that all of this is dependent on the German government having enacted green policies. In other words, if Germany had not shut down its nuclear power industry, it would not be dependent on France for importations of electrical energy. And if Germany had not shut down its coal-based power plants, which they're reopening, uh, it would not be dependent on all of this electricity from France. In other words, the German government has been hoist by its own policy petard. And now that they've allowed themselves to enter into coalition governments with radical green elements, there's no way for them to reverse course. So in other words, all of this appears to have been at least as far as, as the economic results on Germany are concerned, has been apparently by design. So the question is, why would the United States want to weaken its most powerful ally in Europe. Why would you do that? And I suspect that really what's at work here is the age-old fear that you do not want to see the last thing 
you want to see is an alliance between the industrial might of Germany and the resource might of Russia. That's really what's going on here, I suspect. And sooner or later, here's the problem with this policy. Sooner or later, and I suspect that because of things like this document uh, actually being published now and made available and more and more Germans looking at it and discussing it, sooner or later, what's going to happen is you're going to drive Germany out of its alliance with the United States. And that means, inevitably, folks, that you're going to see a, uh, a, a massive rearmament on the part of Germany, but you're also going to see Germany turn much more forcefully and much more directly toward a economic re and security relationship. I'll, I'll go so far as to say that. Uh, economic and security relationship with Russia. Uh, this is a, in other words, what I'm arguing here is that this whole policy of covert economic warfare, which I believe has been going on with that country for at least two, if not a little longer, at least two decades, uh, this, this is a very ill-considered policy. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm basing my idea of an economic war also going back to the period of activity immediately prior to 9-11 with all that mysterious Deutsche Bank activity trading and, and placing puts on the stock market immediately before 9-11. So as with all economic warfare, it takes two to tango. So it's not as if we haven't been targeted as well. So something is going on here. This RAND study is, in my opinion, confirmation of it and it's confirmation of the attitude that the old insights of Sir Halford Mackinder are still governing the geopolitical thinking of not only the United States, but as well the United Kingdom. So this is one to watch, folks. Um, I believe what this will ultimately presage is the uh, either the marginalization of the German Greens politically and an eventual uh, return to a sane energy policy on the part of that country. But that is all going to be accompanied by a reevaluation of its Atlantic Alliance commitments, uh, its reevaluation of basically a, a, a disarmament policy that was de facto put into place by Angela Merkel and has been quietly dismantling the Bundeswehr, basically <laughs> battalion by battalion ever since, and a reevaluation of its energy policy vis-a-vis vis vis Russia and its security arrangements. So this is a sweeping thing that I am suggesting might be in the offing here, and I suspect that in terms of a time frame, you can watch all this transpire slowly but surely over the next decade. Anyway, that's it for today's news and views. I'm sorry it went so long, but I did have those three items to uh, talk about the death of Queen Elizabeth, uh, the accession of who is presumably going to be King Charles now, the first Charles we've had since the Stuart monarchy, folks. <laughs> so uh, that ought to be a little clue in and of itself as to my misgivings about the whole thing. 
Anyway, don't forget the vid chat tomorrow at 3 o'clock U.S. Central Time. Please get your comments and questions in by 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, I'll be in the chat room early tomorrow, and we'll see everybody on the flip side. Bye-bye, everybody, and God bless.